Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 25 of the Paid to Be Me podcast, the podcast that empowers you to create a lifestyle and business that is authentic, fun, and highly profitable. My guest today is Jared Kleinert. Jared is a serial entrepreneur, TED speaker, and award-winning author who's been named USA Today's Most Connected Millennial, a champion for humanity by the United Nations, and a delegate to President Obama's 2013 Global Entrepreneurship Summit. He's the author of multiple books, including the number one entrepreneurship book of 2015, Two Billion Under 20, How Millennials Are Breaking Down Age Barriers and Changing the World. Jared is also the founder of Meeting of the Minds, a private invite-only mastermind community for high-integrity entrepreneurs who are world-class at what they do. The minds unite to solve society's most pressing problems and enjoy individual success in the process. In this episode, Jared and I discuss the importance of living intentionally, when to write a book to build your business, and how building a like-minded community can amplify your impact and message. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited you are here, uh, my man. I uh, have actually been looking, I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Um, how have you been? Have you been holding up with everything that's been going on? I've been pretty good, all things considered. I, I would think we're all trying to figure out how to make the most with our time. Some people are more challenged than others when it comes to dealing with the pandemic. I mean, I, I run a business that is largely focused around gathering people in person and definitely don't know the next time we'll be able to do that. Uh, but I'm also an entrepreneur and I don't know any differently than trying to make the most of this time and find ways to best utilize the investment of my dollars, of my energy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all things considered, you know, I, I think I'm going to look back on this time and be proud of myself and how I've handled it all. Things are good at home. Everyone's healthy and happy. So there's a lot to be thankful for. And, uh, you know, making investments now that I, I think and hope will pay off for, for years to come. That's awesome. It's uh, so interesting, this idea of like, I was talking about this earlier today, this idea of like commitments versus circumstances, especially in this kind of time when there are so many extenuating circumstances, so many things that are outside of our control. And yet the thing that you do have control over is what's the business that you're committed to creating and like just how's like what's there to do? How's there to react? Like where's there to go from here? Um, and just like continuing to pivot and continuing to reinvent. Um, totally, totally feel that. Um, well, I gave folks a sense of who you are in the introduction to this show, but I'd love to hear from you directly. Like what all are you up to right now? Yeah, I'm the founder of a company called Meeting of the Minds, which is a, a private membership community for high integrity entrepreneurs, first and foremost, who are also world-class at what they do. Uh, and so they're individuals that are super connectors in their industry, they're subject matter experts, and they want to be around other diverse individuals who will challenge them in terms of their perspective, who will give them accountability to accomplishing their goals, um, who will accelerate some of the uh, opportunity creation and some of the problem solving that they may need in their business. Uh, and typically we're meeting in person, as I mentioned, once a quarter in places like Napa Valley and Bermuda, upstate New York, uh, Atlanta, where I'm based. Uh, right now we're convening virtually. Um, we do that on a quarterly basis. We've also added a monthly deep dive series where we're teaching uh, things of interest to our community, whether it's marketing and business development or it's crisis management or time management, um, anything that is sort of an ongoing topic of interest we'll address in our monthly deep dives. Uh, so that's my, my main business. You know, we've had to pivot, you know, quote unquote, from uh, doing our in-person events to doing them virtually, but that's uh, the name of the game. And uh, I support entrepreneurs in other ways as well, um, primarily through a, a charitable uh, outlet called Volunteer with Entrepreneurs, where I'm taking the same sort of entrepreneurs that would attend Meeting of the Minds and giving them 
volunteer opportunities in their city and uh, sort of nationwide or location agnostic right now to give back and meet other like-minded, kind-hearted individuals. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, There's a lot in there that I definitely want to get into and um, ask you more about. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I uh, hear in that and also just know to be true about you is the focus on community. And it's so interesting, you know, the more that I am working with and supporting people who are in that transition between corporate to, you know, leaving and and starting a lifestyle business. It's something that I continue to come back to. Um, This idea of finding other people who are up to the same stuff, who can point out blind spots for you and also encourage you and can, and, you know, push you to, to continue to think larger and think bigger and, um, uh, who can pick you up when things don't go the way <laughs> that you thought they were going to. Um, cause I think so much of this journey is, uh, really getting clear on the type of normal that you want to create. Uh, and I think entrepreneurship for a lot of entrepreneurs is normal, but for a lot of people transitioning into it, you know, it's a completely new endeavor and, and a completely new thing. Um, and I'd be curious for you, we talked about this a little bit uh, in our prior conversations, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about like where the entrepreneurial like streak or where the fire kind of started for you. Yeah, I, I believe that entrepreneurship is a mindset, um, not just the role of business ownership. And so you can be an entrepreneurial minded individual working for another company or in building a nonprofit or otherwise managing your career and your personal brand, even if you don't have a business attached to it. Um, I also am very fortunate that I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So in terms of building this mindset, it was sort of ingrained in me at a young age. Uh, I am probably the fifth generation of entrepreneur in my family, uh, at least on my mom's side. Uh, So I, I don't know too much about my great grandparents, uh, but I do know that they were, uh, or I think this is actually great, great grandparents um, <laughs> were uh, tradespeople in New York and just had like, like a shoe business or, you know, some sort of normal business, um, yeah. not anything related to personal brands and TikToking and, you know, creating an online course or anything like that this is before the internet. Um, but then my great grandfather had started a, a construction business. My grandfather had uh, start, worked in that business and then started his own version of that with his brother. On my dad's side, my grandmother had, has a catering business in South Florida. And then my parents had two restaurants uh, when I was a baby. And you know, I just grew up around entrepreneurs. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's definitely a lot of privilege there um, mm-hmm. in terms of how I was raised and being around entrepreneurs. Uh, but I also, uh, I saw the good and the bad. I, I saw a lot of challenges with family business, especially I saw a lot of yeah. benefits of family business. I saw what successful businesses look like. I saw my parents especially struggle with starting businesses. Um, and then I didn't give them enough credit for this, but I've actually seen my parents be very entrepreneurial at their jobs. Uh, in my teens and and now in my twenties. And I kind of discredited that as a kid and in my early teens. Uh, but later I've come to realize that again, entrepreneurship is more of a mindset and that, uh, my parents, while they weren't successful in starting their own business, have contributed meaningfully to other people's businesses and have created uh, good lifestyles for themselves in the process. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it was natural. I, I started my first business at 15, failed miserably, like, almost anyone that starts a business, but especially one <laughs> that starts a business at 15. Uh, I learned from that and reached out to uh, other people that I thought I could learn from. Uh, and so from 16 to 18, I started uh, trying other business ideas, but I was also working under uh, founders of VC-backed startups in Silicon Valley. Um, I did it remotely from, from Florida where I grew up for you know, these San Francisco-based firms. And then when I was 18, I was trying to get a job, uh, but ended up sort of accidentally starting a marketing consulting business, (laughs) which, uh, yeah, yeah, which led to, um, partly led to what I'm doing now. And and then uh, sort of in parallel, one of the side projects that I started between 16 and 18 became my first book, which became my second book, which uh, combined with my marketing consulting firm became 
meeting of the minds. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've never known any differently. Um, I would say mm-hmm. after 18, uh, I don't think I'll ever work for someone again, unless yeah. someone buys a company of mine in the future. Um, yeah. But I think it would be really challenging for me to want to go work for someone. Um, I, and you don't need to be that type of person yourself. Um, what I will say before uh, kicking it back to you is that I do think there's a trend right now, uh, a macro trend where there's going to be more solopreneurs than ever and more entrepreneurial minded individuals, even if you're not necessarily starting your own business. Um, a lot of corporations are going to move to hiring people as 1099 contractors, um, putting sort of the onus on you to get your uh your insurance and all the paperwork that you need, um, all the benefits that you need, even if they have to pay you a bit of a premium. Uh, and they're, you know, you're going to have to fend for yourself, <laughs> even if, uh, even if you're just a one person business that's serving one employer. Uh, I think the dynamics of what a traditional employer employee uh, is going to change. And so we're going to have more entrepreneurs as a result and having these entrepreneurial skill sets and mindsets is going to be increasingly important over time. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's a couple of things that I really loved in what you shared. The first one that I heard was um, like grow the advantage of growing up around that type of experience. I feel very lucky. Similarly to you, a lot of the members of my family all own their own businesses. And so, you know, I got, when it got to the point where I was like, Hey, you know, this corporate thing is not working for me. Like I want to leave and go do something else. It was like, okay, <laughs> you know, not like totally out of the question because other people had done it. And, um, so, uh, it makes it a bit easier in that regard. Um, and totally see where you're looking with the, um, where things are going in terms of more people becoming more entrepreneurial, more solopreneurs, more contractors, um, which I actually think is a really great thing. You know, it's been interesting in the last couple of months with everything that's happened with the pandemic. The second thing uh, was what you're pointing to with the shift towards a more entrepreneurial community and and more entrepreneurs, more people becoming solopreneurs. It's been really interesting in the last couple of months with everything that's been happening with the pandemic. You know, I have a lot of friends who were in corporate or friends who had, you know, more traditional jobs who ended up losing their jobs. And uh, my heart goes out to them because at that point, it's like, hey, this is the thing that I know to do to make money. And there are, there are just less opportunities. Like there are just less resources, you know, for those types of folks. And, you know, for me, I like my business definitely took a hit as things uh, shifted. But at the same time, you know, it was, <laughs> it was extenuating circumstances, just like it's always been extenuating circumstances, you know, as an entrepreneur. So it'll be really interesting to see like how um, those things, uh, you know, start to play out and, and shape up. Um, but one of the things I want to talk to you about, you know, as you grew up, as you got uh, into these first couple of experiences with these businesses that you've started and becoming, you know, more entrepreneurially minded. Um, I know one of the things that, um, or one of the accolades that you have is you were named, uh, by USA today, the most well connected millennial. Um, and I actually love to hear like the story behind that, like a little bit more about like, where did that start for you? Like, how did that come about? Like, what does that actually mean to you? doesn't mean much to me, uh, to be honest. And uh, as you're building your personal brand, uh, whether you're listening to this and you're just starting out and and trying to make a name for yourself or you're trying to utilize your personal brand to grow your business, maybe you already have a successful business and one way that you can see yourself doubling or tripling the business is by creating this personal brand and getting more press around who you are as the founder and et cetera, et cetera, writing a book is sort of content uh, to then promote the business. Uh, My personal view is that you really shouldn't spend a lot of time getting these social proof elements of your brand. Um, Unless there's one caveat, which is uh, if you make a concerted effort to invest in PR or invest in booking yourself on podcasts and being interviewed, and that is consistently driving business for you, that is a viable marketing channel. I think there's uh, much better uses of your time and, and financial investment in marketing for most businesses. But there are some businesses that need PR and that do really well just sort of gener- generating regular PR, reg- regular uh, podcast appearances. For me personally, it's more of a, a get it um, and leave sort of thing. And you can leverage that for years to come. So I, I was named USA Today's Most Connected Millennial years ago. And yet I still have it in my email signature on, you know, LinkedIn 
and people talk, you know, ask me about it or they say, Hey, that's pretty interesting. And maybe they want to continue a conversation, but, uh, mm-hmm. to back up, you know, when I, when I started my first business at 15, uh, I failed miserably, as I mentioned before, and I made every mis- mistake you can think of from not having enough capital to not really knowing who my competitors were. Uh, the biggest mistake I made was poor mentor selection. Uh, and so I, I basically spent six months hanging out with this guy on a, on a daily basis who I, I was you know, being mentored by, um, later found out that he had served time in prison for securities fraud on Wall Street <laughs> well before I met him. And uh, you know, it's one thing to go through that uh, and then come out of it and be a better person uh, and sort of correct course. And I, I have some friends uh, who have been in prison and who have come out of it and are dedicated to a much different path for the rest of their life. But you know, I found this in, this individual to still be a low integrity individual uh, when I was interacting with him. And sort of, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but once I found out about this this person's past, it, it was very clear that nothing had really changed. Um, not only that, but there was a, a, a lack of subject matter expertise. I was building an ed tech startup, education technology, and this guy didn't know anything about education or technology <laughs> or startups. <laughs> and so, you know, I quickly realized that if I wanted to be successful in business, I needed to surround myself with much higher integrity individuals and also people that were really good at what they do. Uh, and mm-hmm. so a few months later, uh, I was reading... Uh, Forbes online. And you know, if you don't grow up with entrepreneurial families like we did, uh, you can start brainwashing yourself with free content online, like go mm-hmm. to Entrepreneur, listen to podcasts, get magazines or books. Um, and you know, I, I was doing this myself at 15 and 16 and still do to this day. But I was reading an article in Forbes uh, about the most connected man you don't know in Silicon Valley. And I, I was reading this article about the serial entrepreneur uh, I very much wanted to emulate the success he had had with, with multiple ventures that were successful. Um, he had these dinner parties that he hosted where like Tim Ferriss would show up and Warren Buffett's former pilot would show up and pro soccer players would show up and the PayPal co-founders would show up. Um, and you know, also people were meeting their business partner, their spouse through this connector. Uh, and so I ended up working with him for two years. And as I, uh, I sent him a cold email that turned into an opportunity to work with him. And as I spent time under his tutelage, I realized that I could create uh, my own brand and my own skill set of being a connector as well. And so uh, I, USA Today wrote a, a piece probably when I was 18 or 19. Uh, but that was after you know three years or two or three years of understanding that being a connector was going to be my zone of genius. Uh, and we could talk about what a zone of genius is and how someone could leverage that for their own career moving forward. Um, and then it was a matter of actually building the, the skill sets around that uh, to the point where I could become a connector and be acknowledged for it. So realized that that was my zone of genius, um, actually reached out to other super connectors along the way mm-hmm. to continue building that skill set um, I, I accidentally started my marketing consulting business when I cold emailed Keith Ferrazzi when I was 18. Keith mm-hmm. wrote the book, Never Eat Alone. Um, number one New York Times bestselling author. He was the former CMO of Deloitte, which is one of the biggest consulting firms in the world. And uh, I was negotiating a, a, a job with him to come work at his firm after doing a month of work for free on one of his book launches. And he ended up hiring me as a 99 contractor, much like we talked about earlier. And that made me uh, a consultant and made him my client. And so I, I ran with that. You know, there, there is a benefit to uh, this trend of businesses wanting to outsource their work to consultants and 1099 contractors, which is you've now started a business, whether you like it or not. And if, if you want to accept that work. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I accepted it ended up leveraging that social proof with Keith to then get other clients who were uh, best-selling authors or who were thought leaders. uh, And then that became small business owners. Uh, And so I very much leveraged a lot of the social proof from working with Keith. Um, But, you know, I also was able to then start building my brand because now I had real sort of case studies under my belt of here's this startup I worked for uh, or multiple startups. Here's this number one New York Times bestselling author I've worked for. Uh, I now have 
you know, a successful marketing consulting firm. I also had a book deal in the works. Uh, so I started having these things that added credibility to who I was. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think much about the whole USA Today, Most Connect Millennial thing, mm-hmm. um, but I am okay in receiving that coverage because I know I can back up the claims that are being made. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, it's cool because what I hear in that is like the intentionality that you bring to relationship and the intentionality that you bring to what's the what's the connection to make that's going to take me to the next level? Like, you know, take me to that next like iteration of myself and my personal brand and, um, you know, uh, what I want to be apt to in my businesses and in my life more generally. And I think that that sort of forward looking long-term visioning is so incredibly important to develop. Um, cause it's the thing that's going to take you, you know, not just baby steps, but like quantum leaps, you know, in terms of your ability to make a difference, build sustainable business, create an impact and create, you know, create a brand for yourself. Um, this is a, it's kind of a larger, uh, I guess, question where I'm looking, but like, you know, in all of these things that you're doing and that you're up to, like, what's the thing that's, driving you? Like what's the thing that has you get excited about the stuff that you're up to and how you decide like what you want to do next? Yeah, there's a, there's a positive way to look at this and there's also a, a negative or existential threat way to look at this. Um, yeah. but yeah, there's, uh, more problems in the world than ever before. And many of those problems are growing exponentially in terms of their severity uh, whether it's climate change or racial injustice or political unrest uh, or a growing economic gap, uh, access to clean water, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and there's, with that comes opportunities. So that's where I'm saying there's a, a positive and negative to this. But I, I think the only way we solve many of these problems is by establishing what I call a meeting of the minds and getting as many people as possible to first. Uh, act on their passions in life, become really good at what they do, uh, and then work with other like-minded individuals who bring different skill sets uh, and networks and perspectives to the table, you know, to collectively problem solve and scale solutions to those challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it gets me out of bed to problem solve, um, but also I see that there is a potential uh, ripple effect of of good that I can do and there's definitely some capitalistic opportunities there. If I can create a series of companies that solve problems in the world, you know, there's definitely money to be made and, and good to be done. Uh, and mm-hmm. so that's a super big picture. Like mm-hmm. that's probably going to be the thesis of my career for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, mm-hmm. If I bring it back down to a very sort of small level and what I'm doing today, it's solving pressing problems for the business owners and entrepreneurs that I work with and helping them capitalize on the exciting opportunities that are coming their way. So when you're going through a pandemic, you know, now is the time to really leverage a meeting of the minds for your business and tap into a community of super connectors and subject matter experts um, who want to see you succeed and like won't let you fail. Um, And then when you're looking at societal issues, I think we do need to do a better job of bringing people to the table, solving problems, giving those solutions to other people who can amplify the right messages or storytell in the right way. I don't quite have the meeting of the minds theory fully fleshed out yet, but I I imagine that'll be my next book is uh, taking this theory of problem solving, open sourcing of the world so that communities could use it. Companies could use it. Countries could use it. You know, groups of countries could use it. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. And so that, there's, there's some big picture thinking there that I, I don't think will go away in terms of its necessity and in terms of the opportunities. Um, part of that for me is also building an amazing network so that I can constantly pull people into exciting opportunities and to uh, new ventures. Uh, and, and at this point, I'm sort of scouting talent and seeing like, who am I going to eventually start a business with? Or who, if, you know, if I have the ability to invest in people, whether it's a a fund in the future or, you know, my business uh, 
becomes profitable to profitable to the point where I take money off the table every year and reallocate it into new ventures with uh, some of our members or friends of mine. Like, who can I get started and accelerate their growth? Um, so I'm starting to think again, pretty intentionally about mm-hmm. the next 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, mm-hmm. And so yeah, that that's mm-hmm. excites me. <laughs> it's a <laughs> pretty big vision. Um, you know, I do. I'm not always thinking about that. You know, a, yeah. a lot of times I'm stuck in the in the day to day and in the weeds. So I do have to remind myself like why I'm doing this at the end of the day. And yeah. I think that's a powerful exercise is having some sort of journaling exercise or some sort of coach that reminds you of that. And I, I invest uh, over $10,000 a year in executive coaching. Uh, I, I think that's one of the values of a mastermind group, like what we provide. Um, you know, so constantly reminding yourself of why you're putting in all these hours and spending all this money and uh, working so hard, I, I think is yeah. very important. And that's, totally. I guess that's my answer of why I do it. Yeah, thanks. Um, oh man, I love that. I uh, totally on the exact same page, and I it's definitely been my experience. Is you know when you lose touch with like what's the larger vision, it's so much it's so much easier to just get caught in the like, well, this isn't working, or this didn't go the way that I wanted it to, or you know whatever it might be. So continuing to remind yourself of like, oh yeah, here's the long term, here's the vision, like here's what this here's what this thing is in service of, and here's why I'm going to go back in and do it again. You know, even though I got knocked down the first time or whatever it might be, um, and I love the piece that you put in around like the open sourcing. Like I find that that's such a fun place to look and take a look at like, how can that guide my thinking for what I'm up to? And the, you know, the thing, even this podcast or, you know, the coaching that I do or any of the content or really anything, like how do I create these uh, pieces of knowledge and frameworks and systems that provide other people an opportunity to shortcut growth. Um, you know, in my case, it's, it's personal development. Like how do I create stories and frameworks and systems that help people see themselves at a higher level in a sense, like generate self-awareness for themselves um, uh, in a way that maybe they didn't have access to before. But the cool part about it is like it's evergreen. Like it's once you get to the core of a system or the core of a solution and you actually create something that's marketable and packageable and sticky and viral, like that's the kind of stuff that completely shifts, you know, the, the overarching paradigm of, of business and of life and of what everyone's up to. Um, so I love that that's, that's a focus for you. Well, it's not currently a focus, but it, it is a, it is a intentional thought and plan. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Meeting of the Minds as a book and as an open source theory will be in the world until like 2022 or 2023. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do know it'll eventually be shared because, you know, again, I I think it's almost an existential threat level. uh, You know, if we don't figure out how to manage artificial intelligence as it gets smarter, or if we don't solve climate change, um, or, you know, if we don't learn how to properly get people with different viewpoints at the table, who are not also um, who are able to have a constructive conversation with differing views, but also have subject matter expertise to mm-hmm. utilize in in solving the problem instead of you know using their thumbs on Twitter and just mm-hmm. vocalizing. I mean that there is an importance in calling out a problem, but there also needs to be a, a, a meeting of the minds to solve the problem. And then you can't just solve the problem; you have to scale the solution uh, mm-hmm. once you have it. And so again, there's all these elements to it that I'm, I'm trying to work through uh, mm-hmm. for myself, for our members. And then once we figure it out, I'll open source it. You know, so I don't want to put yeah. uh, the, the model into the world without having uh, somewhat figured it out myself. And it doesn't mean I'm going to hoard the information. I'll just be selective mm-hmm. in, in sharing it uh, mm-hmm. and, and start sharing it with a small group of you know, influential people, uh, right. which also will start giving me... Uh, you know, some uh, sort of marketing platform when I am ready to share it. If, I, if I'm mm-hmm. sharing it with like sort of influential people in my network and clients uh, and a few hundred people are aware of this meeting in the minds framework in the next few years, then when we are ready to go out with the book, I'll have a few hundred influential people ready to share it. So there, I guess there's some strategy in there as well yeah. in terms of developing your, um, your frameworks and your product or service or theory uh, and then marketing it to the masses. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'm, I'm big on being an open book, but also mm-hmm. sharing the book with the right people first. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like in this case, it's setting the foundation and also understanding how to share it in a way that creates the most impact across yeah, the Yeah. And it's, it's necessary to stress test your ideas with other people as well. So part of sharing it with influential people I admire and respect is they're going to make my thinking better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so I, one thing that I wanted to ask you uh, about as well, because it's, it's part of the reason why I was really looking forward to this conversation is you've done a lot of things that entrepreneurs like, you know, are on like the entrepreneurial bucket list. And um, so you've written two books and it sounds like you've got other books in the works. Um, and so I just wanted to hear a little bit more from you about like, what was that experience like for you? Um, like what had you decide that then was the right time to write and publish a book? I probably had becoming an author on my bucket lists, I guess you could say. Uh, and, and I got started with the whole book writing thing pretty early. So I, I started working on my first book when I was 17. Uh, it came as a result of a, a talk that I heard at a conference. Um, and the conference was really sort of the beginning of a movement. Uh, and so I'll, I'll backtrack, you know, I, I started my first business at 15, as we've talked about, um, but I didn't really meet other like-minded young people uh, who were entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial-minded until around 17. And it was at this conference hosted by uh, the Teal Foundation, um, Peter Teal from from uh, PayPal fame, Facebook fame, um, has a foundation, and part of that foundation was a grants program where 20 kids would uh, get a hundred grand each year to drop out of college and build businesses, uh, or build some crazy science experiments. Mm. Uh, and there, there wasn't, uh, or there isn't this now, but in, in previous years, there was a larger community around this fellowship program, uh, and actually events where many of these people would get together to, to meet each other and to meet and support some of the fellows as well. And so I went to the second ever Teal Foundation Summit. Uh, when I was 17. And it was in New York City. I was coming in from South Florida where I grew up. And again, it was the first time in my life I was around hundreds of other millennials and Gen Zers who were just some of the smartest people I've ever met still to this day. Uh, and I, you know, it was like a, a totally life-changing weekend. Uh, I, I, I'm still in touch with many of the people that I hung out mm-hmm. with. Um, but there was a talk that I heard at the event uh, towards the very end about how there was 20 people selected for this fellowship program. There was 200 people in the room, and yet there were 2 billion people in the world at or under 20 years old. Uh, and this speaker sort of challenged us to spread the virus, quote unquote, which is probably not great to share right <laughs> now. Um, but you know, he said, spread the virus and get more young people to act on their passions in life. And so uh, books weren't even like in my mind initially. It was uh, just this movement and this idea, you know, I, I saw how life-changing this was for me. Uh, this was also like right before the Forbes 30 Under 30 uh, thing really took off. And there definitely wasn't any sort of community around Forbes 30 Under 30. Um, so this was one of the earliest communities for teenage entrepreneurs uh, and, you know, or people in their like 20, like 18 to 22 who are actually like developing apps and had millions of downloads and, had raised money for their businesses, like super legit, um, or had the potential to become uh, really promising. And you know, to make a long story short, uh, this was just a really interesting subculture that I now had access to and I was a part of. And I was already working on a crowdfunding platform as one of my side hustles. Uh, my, my second ever business was also, also um, successfully started and spectacularly failed. Yeah. <laughs> um, was a crowdfunding platform for social good. And so I was thinking about this experience I had uh, and this subculture that I now had access to. I was thinking about crowdfunding and crowdsourcing. Uh, and then it just came to mind that you know a book might be an interesting vehicle for sharing some of the stories of the people that I had met so that we could take this speaker's challenge and get more young people to act on their passions in life. Mm-hmm. And so that's initially how the book came to be. Uh, I had this idea for the book. 
there was a Facebook group for the uh, community of people that attended this event. And so I posted one day about my idea for a book where we would take uh, stories from some of these other individuals and sort of collectively crowdsource a generational message to share with the world. Uh, and within a half an hour, there was 50 likes on the, on the thread, you know, 60 comments. A um, few people had reached out and offered to be co-authors. And um, some people had sent me stories already for the book, which was just a lazy repurposing of college essays. Um, but I probably wanted to have made the book. Uh, and so uh, it, it wasn't necessarily as intentional of a process as maybe some of my other moves have been. Um, mm -hmm. but it, it nevertheless was something that became much more than a book. It was more of a, a movement. And so, you know, started, uh, the process of writing that book, ended up doing things backwards and finished this book before we pitched it to publishers because we didn't necessarily know what we were doing. And, and now as, as I share with friends, what you should do, I advise them much differently than how we did it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I ended up, uh, getting a co-author, Stacy Ferreira, and then we, you know, finished the book. We pitched publishers. We got a book deal. Um, book came out a year later, and or yeah, our book came out two years after I initially had the idea, and one year after we had worked on it. So it took about a year to finish the book, and then a year from the book deal to coming out uh, to the world, and. Yeah, it, you know, I, I we traditionally published the first book. I, I wanted a different experience the second time around, so I self-published three billion under thirty, uh, and I went uh, the complete opposite direction. Um, I ended up uh, not only self-publishing, but I printed ten thousand hardcover books, mm. Uh, mm. which was quite expensive, <laughs> um, but awesome and yeah. uh, you know beautifully designed. Like you would never know that it was self-published, and you know, learned a lot of lessons in that process as well. And so, you know, now I, you know, some people ask me about the book writing process and, you know, there's some people I would tell to traditionally publish, but um, most people listening to this, I would say to self-publish and there's, uh, you know, you don't have to print 10,000 hardcover books. You can use print on demand features from Amazon and use the Amazon marketplace. Uh, you can also sell the book through your own website uh, and then build a course behind it and, and upsells. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of nuance when it comes to the, the world of books. And I, I also think there's a lot of noise now with books. <laughs> Everyone wants to write a book. Um, you know, my, uh, I think there's, uh, a world where you can write a book and use it to grow your business. Uh, but I would, I'd be very intentional about writing the book. I wouldn't necessarily write a book for the purpose of writing a book right now, I'd write a book to grow your business and mm. be very strategic about how is that book going to convert uh, people that are there then going to do coaching with you or consulting or mm. buy your products uh, or, or do something else with you. Uh, mm. And then, you know, after you've put in a great career and have 50 years of experience, then write a book about how you did it just for yeah, the purpose yeah. of writing that, you know, bucket list book. Um, right. And maybe I'll do that in the future as well. But mm -hmm. you know, I, I think there needs to be a purpose for writing your book from a business standpoint beyond just the book sales or your advance because mm -hmm. you're not going to get a big advance <laughs> uh, relative to what you could be earning with that time investment. Um, mm -hmm. And you're, it's going to be hard to sell a lot of books as well, again, relative to where else you could be spending your time and money. Yeah, got it. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, it's cool because part of, you know, what I heard earlier in, in what you were saying was how much easier the, well, maybe not easier, but how much more accessible the process or beginning the process was because of the communities that you were involved in. Like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And you've got 60 people who are like, hey, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Like, you know, here's, here's stories that you can use, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So like having access to community just makes it, you know, all, all that much easier. Um, and, you know, the, the second piece that I think is really important too is being super intentional about like, aside from it just being a cool thing to do, um, and if that's, I think if that's the intention that you want to bring, that's great. Um, but if it's going to be something that you are looking at strategically using to build your business, when, you know, when is the right time? What's it going to be about? How are you going to use it to build out other facets of, um, what you're offering in terms of products or services? Um, but yeah, I hear yeah, that should, like intentionality. You should, have, 
you should have two goals. You should have a goal of, you know, what value or mission am I advancing? You know, if, if I didn't get paid a single dollar for this book, you know, why does this book have to exist and who is it going to help? Uh, and then also there needs to be, you know, a, a goal around your business and around making money. Um, and, and again, it could be, you know, I'm going to write this book and crush it on book sales so that I can get higher paying book deals in the future, or I can get speaking opportunities from this, uh, or mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to get a lot of press around the book launch, then that's going to allow mm-hmm. me to build my personal brand. Uh, yeah. Or I have a book on uh, networking and relationship building, and then I'm upselling to this networking and relationship building course, and then I'm upselling to this you know mastermind group. Um, there, there needs to be more to it. Uh, and, and this is not necessarily what we did. Um, I'm just saying this is what I would do in the future. Yeah. And, and that's also why I'm not working on this meeting in the minds book right now. You know, mm-hmm. I will work on the book when I know that I can publish something that from a mission standpoint will be very valuable and useful to the world and will also generate more sales for the high end mastermind group. And so until mm-hmm. I figure out the business, um, to the level that I want and have a, a really well-oiled machine, I'm not yeah. going to spend years working on a book. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to spend years building our marketing capabilities yep. and you know, building our membership up and then I'll work on a book. Right. Uh, so I, I don't, yeah, I, I do think a lot of people have the ability to write a book. I think it's something you should do uh, at some point in your life, even if it has nothing to do with business. Um, and on a personal note, you know, my, fiance's grandfather uh, wrote two books uh, and he served in the military. Uh, He had this really epic life and unfortunately I never got the chance to meet him. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so because he had wrote these books and shared his stories and experiences, I did have a chance to learn about him and, and sort of understand who he was. And this is a man that is sort of the most important person that ever lived to my fiance and the person she most admired and basically her father figure uh, growing up. And so, you know, from a personal standpoint, I got a chance to connect with this individual through his book. Uh, And he wrote these books, you know, for family and for, you know, maybe a few dozen people. So uh, I do believe in the power of books and you don't necessarily have to write a book for, you know, mass consumption. Um, But if you are going to do it for your personal brand or your business, then, you know, be really specific about why you're doing it. Totally. Yeah. This is intentionality. Like what are and the, the sidebar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so the thing that I hear in that is, uh, you know, in some ways it's creating the audience being really intentional about like, how do you create this audience and visibility for yourself and your business? Um, and you know, it's been interesting cause I've been on your email, uh, newsletter list and been getting your email newsletters. Um, and it sounds like, you know, from, uh, what we were talking about before we started recording as well, that's been more of a priority for you uh, as of late. And so I was wondering if you could just speak to, you know, what you've been learning, like what your experience has been, like how you see yourself continuing to use that and build that. Yeah. One of my least uh, invested in assets is around the amplification of my ideas. You know, so I've always been very fortunate to attract, uh, successful people and influential people to engage with me, whether it's as clients or as contributors to my books. But I would say as, as humbly as I can, that I'm an influencer of influencers instead of being a a influencer myself in the way you would think about it from social media or from having a big Mm -hmm. podcast or having a big email list. And so, you know, with the pandemic, uh, and and in general, I think it's a very good idea to do this. Uh, I have made a more concerted effort to build my own audience so that I don't have to rely on other people to reach my ideal clients and reach the people I'm looking to most impact. And so mm-hmm. to me, uh, one of the ways I'm doing that and the, the way that I find most enjoyment and the sort of most direct conversation is through an email list. Uh, you know, we're hearing about, you know, building your TikTok following and, you know, building your LinkedIn following and, you know, joining these social media pods and doing this and that and, you know, posting on Instagram. Uh, I just think all that's noise compared to email. Like email is boring, it's unsexy, but it's also the thing you can best control. 
in terms of your audience and 10,000 of your ideal clients in an email list is worth the same as a million followers on Instagram or a million uh, Twitter followers. Um, mm. And, and uh, I'm connected with Neil Strauss, um, who's a nine time New York Times bestselling author. He says that Twitter is like throwing an orange ping pong ball into the ocean and trying to see it on the other side of the world. Like good <laughs> luck with that you know, and yeah. getting your message to the right person. Um, but through email, you know, you, you, like no one can mess with that. You know, company can't come in and change the algorithm and, uh, oh, you know, right. hold you hostage for getting your message to more people. Um, you know, they, they can, maybe Google can slightly change the spam laws or, you know, the, the sort of delivery of your emails, but, uh, it's, it's a much more, uh, protected asset in terms of your, uh, personal brand. It's also a place where you can be uh, much more nuanced and have longer form content. You can link to blog posts or link to podcasts. Uh, and so to make a long story short, I've just been building my email list. Um, I focused on the uh, consistency first and the quality of message. So I, I've probably kept up a uh, private email newsletter at least once a week for the last 18 months. And it has con you know, consistently given me new business. Um, and I also regularly get uh, 40 and 50% open rates. Uh, and if I have links, there's a good click-through rate. And I get good replies. And you know, even if people aren't raising their hand and saying, hey, you, you know, I got a lot of value from that. They tell me months later that they you know, utilized an email template yeah. to go and raise money from, you know, for their startup. Uh, and so now I'm working on building the audience. And trying with a, you know, maybe two emails a week instead of one email a week and seeing if I can keep that up and if people are receptive to that. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm putting more into uh, email. Uh, I've been playing around with an exciting new startup called Substack, uh, which is a platform for creating paid newsletters. And they've been around a little over two years. They're backed by Y Combinator and Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, and you know, they're, they're not going away anytime soon. I think they're going to really blow up and there's going to be a lot of people on their platform, maybe not to the point where it's the next TikTok, but it'll be, um, this platform. If you want to utilize email as part of your marketing strategy and as part of your brand in the future, uh, cause they have a lot of functionality around not only doing a free email newsletter, but making a paid email newsletter if you want and baking in audio and video mm -hmm. and whatnot. Uh, so I've been building, uh, I've been toying around with, with Substack. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think it's an important asset to build. And, mm -hmm. you know, for me, I love writing. And so email makes sense. Um, but for you, it might be a podcast. It might be Instagram. It might be TikTok, you know, maybe, you know, but mm -hmm. finding mm -hmm. something where you can sort of build an audience, have a long-term view on it, be okay with having hundreds of people, uh, getting your information now, but sort of working over time to have thousands or tens of thousands of people listening to you and, and actively engaging with your content, I think is one of the sort of most important assets you can build for your personal brand and your business, much like you would, you know, sock money away every single month in a retirement account. And it may not make a, a huge difference right now, but five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, you're going to be really happy that you right. <laughs> had put that money away and, and made those small investments. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm starting to take that view of my brand because I don't want to keep having the problem of having great things to talk about and great results, but not enough people to listen to it. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm, I'm starting to you know, make investments now or, or really build on, you know, what, what I've been doing for the last couple of years, but do it in a bigger way. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's so interesting. I had not thought about the distinction there between building and, you know, following on something like uh, Instagram or Facebook, where you are in some ways beholden to the algorithm and the company itself, whatever they decide in terms of the visibility versus, you know, email list, you just have someone's email, you know, you can send them emails as long as they're subscribed and hadn't made that connection. Yeah, I'll give you a quick example. And I won't name names, but I almost started a business with the co-founder of a pretty popular media company. Uh, and this company sold for $50 million uh, within the last five years. Uh, and they had grown in large part because of Facebook 
and because of the specific way the Facebook algorithm uh, would allow you to share you know, sort of like blog post form content uh, and sort of you know get visibility on your post and incentivize shares. And then right after they sold the company, uh, Facebook changed the rules and suddenly this brand was worth about 50% of its purchase value. <laughs> Wow. And so you know, the, the guy I partnered with, um, you know, he got out at the right time, but for the company that purchased it, you know, they, they had to write off a, a eight figure loss on this media brand. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was it, probably not entirely because of Facebook change of their algorithm, but it was a, a large uh, reason why. Totally. That's so interesting. And, you know, there's part of it, it's like, well, if you're going to put in the work anyways, <laughs> you might as well like work on creating something that there's no risk that that sort of thing could happen. Um, I'd be curious for you, like, as you think at a high level about like building the list, like I hear the consistency and the, you know, how you're testing and experimenting, but like when you think about building the list and bringing more people on, um, like what sorts of things are you trying? Like, where does your brain go in terms of actually like adding more people into the, into the list? that you do have again that's that's where I think investing in substack uh, is going to be interesting because they are a tech platform uh, who, who gets paid uh, when their paid newsletters generate more subscriptions they, they take a cut of any paid newsletters so their mm -hmm. entire job is to build a platform that converts more subscribers to your cool. uh, newsletter and so I almost am outsourcing the marketing uh, and biz dev function of the newsletter to them. Not entirely, but uh, I, it's part of why they've convinced me to start investing in, in their platform and bringing my content to their platform is because they're building um, a great mobile interface and they're um, adding these buttons that make it easy to share and they have a, a cool way of you know showing the paywall where it's convincing enough to get someone to sign up and maybe spend mm. money with you and um, you know, on and on. And so mm. I think that goes into the more of the tech world of, you know, product development and growth hacking, uh, which I'm definitely not an expert. Uh, and so <laughs> yeah. I want to give the growth hacking to other people that are experts, um, mm -hmm. which again is, is probably, you know, how you should think about using LinkedIn versus TikTok versus YouTube. You know, you, you should probably be thinking about, what is the platform going to do in the next five to 10 years? And are they going to make it easier for me to reach more of my ideal clients? Uh, or are they going to take their focus elsewhere and leave me behind? And, mm -hmm. and so yeah, I think that's not everything that you should be thinking about when you're thinking about a platform to bring your content to, but I think that's some of the consideration. Totally. Um, I'd be curious if you had any like advice or guidance for the folks listening who maybe haven't created an email list before or like are in the beginning stages of building that list? Like anything that you wish that you knew when you started? I think consistency is, is the thing that most content creators are going to tell you to focus on first. Uh, I kept a private email newsletter probably longer than I should have. Uh, I don't think there's uh, a huge downside to sharing information with more people. Um, again, I've always been, you know, more private with my uh, content and with my value creation. Uh, and so with Meeting of the Minds, like I've specifically, I've, I've steered away from offering a lot of free stuff or any free stuff. Mm -hmm. We've had premium products and experiences to offer. Uh, but I don't think there's a negative to necessarily sharing far and wide. And so I've, I've become more generous with sharing my newsletter, if you could say that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, part of it is, is how you position yourself and how you position your newsletter or your uh, LinkedIn account or your Instagram account. You know, if you are saying, you know, I am providing this sort of value for this sort of person, then you make it clear for the other party that they should opt out of this information uh, if they don't fit that bill, or you know, maybe they are viewing it, but you're not necessarily focusing on serving them. And so, you know, for an example, I, I've signed up for an email newsletter in the finance and cryptocurrency space, uh, but on the 
homepage of the email newsletter before you opt in, they say, you know, this newsletter is read every single day by uh, people that are managing uh, family offices and private equity investors and uh, institutional investors and blah, blah, blah. I'm none of these things. But at least I know up front that that's who uh, this person's speaking to. And so I can still opt in, but I'm being, uh, people like me are being weeded out in, in, uh, at the beginning. And then as long, if I'm opting in, I at least know what I'm getting myself into. Uh, and so I think it, it is part of your job to yeah. selectively weed people out based mm-hmm. on how you're positioning your brand and the content that you're looking to share. So totally. I guess to, to summarize that, I would uh, focus on the consistency and the, the value you're bringing first, which I think I've done a good job of. Um, I would go public with what I'm sharing and, and promote it more earlier than I have. And I would at the same time uh, position the newsletter in such a way that it would attract my ideal readers and repel the people that I don't want to read it. I call them looky loos. <laughs> I don't want any looky loos. And if if a looky loo comes in, all right, you know the the benefits far outweigh the the uh, the risks or the disadvantage there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think especially on that last point um, is so important, like qualifying the people ahead of time as far as who's going to be in or who's going to be out. And I would imagine that that's probably the reason that, you know, you shared earlier that your newsletter has a like 50 or 60% or for whatever, whichever it was, very high percent open rate. And I would imagine that that's part of it is being super selective about, you know, who you're inviting in and um, who you've got on there. Um, you can also the, manually go in any time and unsubscribe someone, which I, I have done a couple mm-hmm. times. So you can always, like, if there is a looky-loo that you don't want viewing your stuff, you can just take them off your list. Knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, cool. Well, so the, the last thing I wanted to touch on was, um, so meeting of the minds, like, what do you see as next for that? Like, or as you look out over the next year, like, What's next for you in that organization? Yeah, it's more important than ever to you know, find your community, uh, especially during uh, the pandemic. You know, just because we can't meet in person doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, find a network of people that will help you solve problems in your business, uh, help you scale your business, sort uh, of increase predictability in your revenue, uh, help you become more profitable. All these things are, are still uh, challenges and opportunities that entrepreneurs are facing. And so we are serving our clients on a monthly basis now, which we weren't doing before. So we've actually increased the pace at which we're communicating with our ideal clients um, through these monthly deep dives. And we're working pe- with people on a quarterly basis. Uh, and so you can go to MOTM.co and check out you know, who we are and what we do. And if you go to upcoming summits, you could see all the deep dives that we do on a monthly basis and our uh, quarterly summits as well. Uh, we're going to go back to you know in-person experiences whenever we can, and I definitely want to be back in Bermuda or <laughs> in Napa and drinking wine because uh, I would want to do that regardless of whether I was paid or not. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's always uh, from a, from a experience standpoint uh, and a connection standpoint, uh, people form bonds that are deep and meaningful through unique shared experiences. And Mm -hmm. so that's part of why we go to places like Bermuda or Napa is so that from a networking standpoint, um, you have a community of people that are forging very strong bonds and are then leveraging that collective intelligence and that trust and intimacy to help one another grow their businesses. Uh, But you can still build that trust and intimacy online. And so Mm -hmm. we're facilitating those experiences. I actually think a lot of online conferences, events, webinars really suck right now. So the bar's really low for us to uh, meet and exceed, and we're doing that. Uh, and, and so you know, our community needs us. More people that aren't in our community need us, and it's our job to go find those people. Uh, and if you're one of those people, you should come play with us. <laughs> We'd love to help you and meet you. Uh, and so you know, I'm committed to doing that this year. Whenever we can go back to having events in a safe fashion, we will. Uh, I'm not going to be one of the first to plan an in-person event um, because the there's the risk-reward ratio is not in my favor. Like, you know, I 
I think November is probably the earliest we could have a quarterly summit again. And we have worked with the government of Bermuda uh, for the last couple of years to do events there. But Bermuda is going to be ready for us before I can convince 30, 40, 50 people to travel into Bermuda from around right. the United States. Um, and we might have a second wave of the virus. We might have a third wave of the virus. I, I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> you know, the scientists don't know. And so I'm not going to go plan uh, a premium experience that requires months and months of planning and thousands of dollars of investment per attendee uh, when I could instead focus on providing value to our members, doing it online, uh, and just making our, our virtual experiences as good as I can. And so yeah, we're, we're still, you know, plugging away. Uh, I'm investing in, in our brand and our, our marketing efforts so that years from now, we have even more people tuned in to what we're doing. Uh, and then I could you know, get the business to where I want it to be and focus on that book and, you know, help more people uh, that way and, and institutions and, and whatnot, open source those ideas. Uh, and then maybe I'll start, you know, businesses with our uh, Meeting of the Minds members and do some spinoff projects. Um, already working on a few of those, but can, uh, can't share yet yeah. what those are. But uh, <laughs> yet, I think yeah. it's, it's really fun as well to find people that I want to partner with in the future, uh, get a chance to see them interacting with other people I admire who are our clients. And then if you know a year or two goes by and they're getting a lot of value from Meeting of the Minds and I see that they play well with others, maybe I can work with them in some capacity and we could do a spinoff business um, mm -hmm. you know, that's been a really fun byproduct of meeting of the minds as well, uh, just on a personal basis. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, and so, uh, if you could just read, I think you said MOTM.com, correct? Is where? MOTM.co. .co. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, um, co. Um, newsletter would be MOTM.co slash newsletter. And, uh, feel free to email me, jaredkleinert at gmail.com anytime. Cool. Yeah, that's what I was, this is a perfect segue because that's what I was going to ask you. Anywhere else that people can find you online? Those are the, the three places. Um, I mean, you could, you could say hi on LinkedIn. You could say hi on Instagram. Uh, I, I just logged on to Twitter um, back in May uh, for the first time in years, which I, I don't know if I think that's a good decision or a bad decision. <laughs> the world's a little crazy right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, MOTM.co uh, is is the place to go to check out what we're doing and, and the upcoming events. Newsletters, MOTM.co slash newsletter, uh, and email me anytime. Brilliant. Uh, and then do you have any parting advice, words of wisdom uh, for the folks listening to help them build uh, bigger, better businesses? Be intentional. Um, and that that's with your you know, uh, personal brand that's with your, uh, be intentional about your, your business building efforts. Um, it's also be intentional about your network and, you know, both who you spend time with and how you spend time with them. Uh, I, I, you know, really make a point to spend quality time with my friends and with people in my network so that if we don't see each other for months or years, uh, we could still pick up where we left off the next time we chat. Uh, I look to provide value wherever I can. I utilize things like an email newsletter to keep in touch with people in a one-to-many fashion. Uh, mm. Even when I'm not talking to everyone, you can build an online community to do the same thing and provide value in mass uh, and allow people to connect even when you're not working. Uh, so you know, be intentional about your life and good things will happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. Uh, cool. So the way that I like to wrap up these shows, Jared, is with acknowledgement. So are you open to me acknowledging you? Nope. <laughs> it's nice chatting with you. <laughs> See ya. All right. Well, hey, man, it was great. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, Hayden. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, Jared, there's actually a bunch of stuff that I um, want to acknowledge you for. But first and foremost, like, I really just want to acknowledge your vision like, thanks for being a visionary out in the world. It's just so interesting to be able to hear about your experiences from the age of 15 to now and just get clear on how it, over time it just becomes clearer and clearer that you've got this place that you're headed to. And that's the thing that is driving your decisions in the moment. Um, and so like, you know, we're joking about this, like the intentional piece, but like, that's your life is <laughs> intentionality. Um, and it's cool because not only is it from, 
like the service and the impact perspective? Like how do you create those open source frameworks and those systems that allow businesses to operate better and allow companies, you know, companies and countries and groups of people to operate better. But um, it also sounds like it's intentionality from a personal perspective too. Like how do you stay in your zone of genius more frequently so that you can have the largest amount of impact possible? And also so that like you get to enjoy the things that you're doing. <laughs> like that's ultimately, you know, that's the, the whole point of all of this is like making sure that you enjoy what you're doing and, you know, have a good time in what you're doing. So thanks for the intentionality. Yeah. Thank you very much. Super brief sidebar, um, because we mentioned this at the very beginning of mm -hmm. the episode, but your zone of genius, uh, as I describe it, is where your passions, your skills, and what the market values uh, all intersect. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we've mentioned this a few times. I didn't really explain it, but uh, if you created a Venn diagram, wrote out everything you're passionate about, wrote what you're good at and had people tell you what you're good at, take personality indexes like Colby A index or strengths finders. And then you looked at, you know, what are the sort of emerging trends and markets and uh, job opportunities out there in the world uh, or upcoming platforms and put that in opportunities, whatever's in the middle would be your zone of genius. So that's just, to define what we're talking about. That's how I describe <laughs> yeah, it. Totally. But like, that's also perfect too, right? Because I can even hear it in your voice, the passion and the energy that you have around supporting other people and creating that for themselves. Um, and it sounds like that's the thing that's driving you is this connection, this commitment to relationship, this commitment to community, bringing people together to achieve more in union versus having, you know, people um, accomplish things. But you know, not be able to do quite as much uh, alone and by themselves. So thanks for your commitment to community. Um, thanks for being a leader. Uh, thanks for being so committed to impact and service. And yeah, thanks for being on the show. Man, it was great. Like sincerely enjoyed uh, getting to know more about you. And thanks so much for just being so open about what you're up to. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, and I appreciate the very kind words. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.